Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, I was putting my uh, young daughter to bed uh, the first night of Rosh Hashanah and she just kind of looked at me and she said, I'm scared. And I said, because it's Rosh Hashanah? And she said, yeah. And so I, I, t I told her something that I heard from Reb Shlomo like uh, a bunch of years ago. It was a uh, a Torah from the Rishina Rebbe, and he said, uh, he said, I'm going to put it in updated terms. So, so this is what he said. He says that a person's riding on the subway in New York, and he looks across the way and he sees a, a woman, and he's, it's, it's clear to him that that woman is his soulmate, and he's trying to get the uh, strength to approach her. And he, he can't quite do it, but finally he musters the, the gumption and, and right as he asks her for her number, he gets the first three digits of her number and then it's her stop, she gets off the subway and the doors close. So all he has is the first three digits. So um, I'm not talking about the area code, the first three digits of the seven numbers actually tells you the neighborhood that you're in. So he decides, he knows the neighborhood he starts driving around the neighborhood and he's looking out the window. Maybe he's going to see her walking on the sidewalk. And while he's looking out the window, he runs one red light after another. And at a certain point, the cops pull him over and say, listen, one red light, two red lights, but, you know, you, it's too many already. We've we, we got to take you in to see the judge. So they haul him into court to see the judge. And who's the judge? It's the woman from the subway. It's the one that he's been looking for, right? And the judge looks at him. He looks at the judge, and the judge says, "Listen, um, there's there's time to judge you. Right now, just sit next to me because I want to be close." Right. So, so from this, you see that the one who's judging us is the one who loves us the most, right? And so I told that to my daughter, and then she said, "Okay, I feel better." So, yeah. so there's, there's guidance going on right now. There's like heavenly guidance. But God is seeing with very, very far-reaching eyes. He's seeing into our souls. He's seeing into our past lives even. He's seeing into where we're going in the future and our future generations. And all of these things, he's seeing who it is that we want to be. And he's charging a course for the coming year for us right now. Factoring all these things together. What's best for us? What's, what's best for us? Um, there's, a, there's a custom during the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and, and Yom Kippur to actually take on a, uh, a uh, what we call a chumrah. Like a, that's a more, that's a, that's like another mitzvah, or to take on a if you're doing uh, or or to take on a, a stricter level within that that mitzvah itself. And what's interesting about this custom to to do this is that it's not like there's an escape clause after Yom Kippur. Like you don't have to keep on doing it. It's like the idea is that you just want to kind of be doing it right now. So what's the idea behind that? And the idea is actually a very deep and beautiful idea. Um, in, in other years, I've, I've, just because I, I, I like this imagery, I've called the, these, the, these 
are the days of wet cement. And what does that mean? It's, it, if you walk down the sidewalk, you can see that there, people have written their names in the sidewalk. But if I gave you a stick and I told you to go outside and to write your name in the sidewalk, you, you wouldn't be able to do it, or it would be very difficult to do because the cement is already dry. But when the cement is wet, it's very easy to do. So, so we have to understand in a very cosmic way, in a very, very deep way, God has put a new light for the new year into the world right now. And it's like wet cement. It's, it's forming right now. And so the ability to shape what the coming year is going to be right now is, is actually very near and close to us. They say that Hashem is the closest to us right now during these days than He is the entire year. So what does that mean exactly? Because we say, well, wait a second, God is always close to us. He's, you know, that's, that's part of the fantastic aspect about God. He's right there always. So what does it mean that He's closer to us? What it means is, is that we have this special ability to shape the year that's coming right now in a way that we don't have that same ability later on in the year. Now, if I tell you to write your name in a dry sidewalk, you can do it. See, we don't want to just, just, we don't believe in fatalism, okay? It's not like, okay, the die is cast, done, and now we can't do anything about it. That, that's not what this teaching is. It's just, it's much harder later. It's much harder to write your name in that cement later. You can do it. It's just harder. But right now, everything is in this state of flux. So let's think about this state of flux because it's actually very grand and beautiful. So the Chedush Arim says that time is condensed light. Right? A new light is coming into the world. And, and time itself is being formed. Like the, the year... What's, what's, what is the year? The year is a unit of time. So this light is being formed and condensed right now into time, which is the year that's coming right now. Not only that, but Avram Sutton says something very, very deep, which is kind of building on this thought, which is that Rosh Hashanah is when eternity enters into time. Uh, again, this is like a very exalted thought. The idea is that there's a heavenly aspect of God which is entering into time right now, and now it's, being, it's going to be revealed over this coming year. Now this is a... I was thinking about this thought more and more. I think we're going to talk about it more on Yom Kippur, God willing. But the idea is that there's a certain... Revelation, if eternity is entering into time right now, and time is still being formed right now, that's what's happening because we say that it's written on Rosh Hashanah and it's sealed on Yom Kippur, and then it's delivered, the judgment, on Hashanah Rabbah. That's the last day of Sukkot. But you kind of want to get it in before it's sealed, you know? <laughs> like if you can sort of like, as the mailman is sort of like picking up the letters at the mailbox, if you want to try to, you know, Cut them off right there at the mailbox once it's been mailed already. That's you can do it, but it's it's it gets it's just it's better to do it right now. This is this is the time that we want to like really uh really want to do it. So so but the idea is like this that there is a certain revelation of godliness that's coming into the world right now because eternity 
is entering into time right now. That means, so what does that mean exactly? Because this is, this is, a, very, this is a very deep idea. That means that there's a certain aspect of the revelation of Hashem that's going to be manifest this year. I'm going to explain it again because we, we have to make sure that we're understanding this because it's a very big thought, okay? Again, eternity is entering into time right now. That means a revelation of godliness is going to be set to be revealed this year. Meaning to say, God is going to let you know about this aspect of him this year. So then the big question is, what aspect is God going to reveal of himself this year? So now, I hope you're following that. Is everyone following this idea? This is what we're praying for, that God, you know what? Reveal these amazing qualities that we have, that the world has never seen of you yet. That the whole world should know. You see, as much as this is so far out. As much as we're davening for ourselves that we should have a good year, that the world should have a good year, but do you hear it's going to like a quantum never, another level? Hashem, we want you to have a good year this year. Meaning to say, like Hashem is always happy. Like Rabbi Green says, if you ever walk up to Hashem and say, how you doing? He'd say, great, fantastic. You know, so God, God, is always, God is always doing great. We don't have to worry about God. However, however, he is deciding right now, because this is part and parcel of all of these teachings, he is deciding right now what aspect we are going to see of him. And we want to pray that God, we want you to reveal this highest aspect of yourself for your sake, for your name's sake. And of course, we're the beneficiaries of that as well of the revelation of God's oneness. But now let me just give you an example so that this is a little esoteric. I want to just be very grounded. How amazing would it be if God, if an aspect that God revealed of himself this year was the cure to cancer? Do, do you understand? That, that, that will be, that, that's God doing that. How amazing would it be if the, if the, if the revelation of godliness that, that he decrees that the world should know of him, this year is world peace. Do, do you see? This is, what's, this is what's on the table right now. This is not just, am I going to get X or Y or Z? And by the way, may we all get X, Y, and Z, right? In a, in a beautiful way. In a beautiful way. But, but, but there's even more on the table right now. There's even more on the table right now. You have to just think in a more expanded way, right? Because let's let's talk about world peace for a moment. I say, well, wait a second. You know, there's so many people, smart people, who say, you know, if you like dig into all the politics of of let's say the um, Israeli-Palestinian uh, situation, right? I, I've I've heard this recently um, over the last couple of years, and these are coming from people who are you know like academics or whatever, they say, you know what, maybe in 50 years. Or they say, maybe in 100 years. Right? Well, let's imagine just any two leaders who are fighting in the world today, and one says to the other, and this could be anywhere, anywhere in the world, one says to the other, you know, what are we doing? We're, we're killing our own people, 
we're spending all of this money on, on weapons to kill each other. We could be spending this money on, you know, all sorts of good things. Why don't we just not fight anymore? Why don't we make peace with each other? And then the other person says, wait a second. Are you serious? They say, I'm absolutely serious. Are you serious? I'm absolutely serious. Okay. There it is. There's peace in it. That was less than five minutes. <laughs> that was like two minutes. Okay. So what I'm trying to say is, and I'm not, I'm not coming at this from a naive standpoint. I'm just coming from this from a very practical standpoint. How long does it take to say the words which make peace? Not that long. Not that long. To understand it. Yes, yes. To develop the trust or you believe the other party. Okay, I'm, believe me, I'm, I'm, I, I, I was a government major. I, 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 I understand that, that there are a lot of details to this. But I'm, I'm, trying, to get the, I'm trying to get the big picture right now. That if, if God decrees it, if God wants it, if God wills it, it can happen very, very, very quickly. Amen. Very quickly. Extremely quickly. Extremely. Right? And then the whole world changes. And then people say, oh, this is the world that God created. Oh, this is who God is. And then there's a revelation of an aspect of godliness that we haven't seen before. That we haven't seen before. So this is one of the things that we have to be praying for, or that ideally we can pray for. You know, over the next few days, and, and, and certainly, you know, on Yom Kippur, and you know all the time, really. But 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 this is this is as we say the days of wet cement. This is when these these prayers can have the biggest impact. So so I just want to switch gears for a moment and just talk about the shofar for a second. Is there's a beautiful teaching here that uh, I just want to make sure that that um, that everyone hears. Um, so so this is from the also from the Chidush Rim. Um, you see, basically the idea is is that the chauffeur cleans you out. Alright? And, and there's a kind of two aspects going on right now, which is that, you know, the, 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 the chauffeur, what, why are we celebrating, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, Godway, why are we celebrating Rosh Hashanah on the sixth day of creation? Okay, that's the creation of human beings. We'll get back to that idea, hopefully, in a, in a bit. And on the sixth day, God blew a soul into, into Adam. And that was kind of like the first chauffeur blast. So he blew a soul into him. And when the chauffeur is being blown today, God is blowing a new soul into all of us. So we're getting a new soul because it's a new world and it's a new us. Right? Not only that, though, but as the new soul comes in, kind of whatever junk was inside of us also goes out. You see, so it's like two great things. One, you're flushed out of the old stuff, and you get new stuff. All right? Now, now the Chedusha Arim points out this Pasuk. It's in Parsha Nitzavim, which appropriately is the last Parsha we're reading um, or the, on the last Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah, before we hear the shofar. And it's talking about um, it says, if there's, this is uh, chapter 29, uh, verse 17, uh, perhaps there's among you a root, meaning a person, flourishing with gall and wormwood. 
which in this context basically means that you're filled with all these um, toxic qualities, right? And, and the personality goes on just to contextualize it. The personality that it's talking about is the person who's decided that they are an independent figure, that they're independent of God, and that as long as whatever they're doing is right with them, they're cool. Right? That's called a person who's filmed with gall and wormwood. Alright? Because that's see, that that's that's that we want to get past that. You know, I remember there there is a there's a famous story and I, I, I apologize, I don't remember the rabbis. But they were talking about the difference two rabbis were talking the difference between my followers and your followers, right? And the rabbi, one, one of the rabbis said that, you see, with my followers, when they do something wrong, they at least feel as though they did something wrong. And, and that's, that's, that's a high level. That's a high level. It doesn't mean that they're perfect. They're doing things that are wrong. But at least they know that they did something wrong. He said, your followers, whatever they do, they excuse themselves and they, they, they haven't done anything wrong. See, so, so, so the chauffeur is sort of getting rid of that consciousness that basically I'm an independent entity and as long as it's right by me, then, then, then that's fine. Now listen to this cool thing. And now this is the Torah from the Chidush Arim. He says that that Pasuk in Hebrew, perhaps there's a root among you flourishing with gall and wormwood, is shorish, pare, rosh, vila'ana. And that's, that's how you say it in Hebrew. And he says that if you take the first letters of those phrases, that phrase, it spells out shofar. Because shofar is cleaning out that consciousness from you. And, and why so? How so? Because it's going back to the idea that you have a creator. Because who blew in the soul to you, in you to begin with? Where is the pasuk? Right? That's um, Pasuk 29. It's in Devarim, in Deuteronomy. 29, 17. And it's the last four words. It's the last four words of that, uh, of that Pasuk. So, so, yeah, so it's getting you to that good place. Now, I want to add to that Torah. Because how does the chauffeur do that? So, have you ever, here, here's something that I think is kind of a mysterious thing that, that people have experienced in their lives. Have you ever met someone on like an airplane or maybe at a party but you only saw them once or maybe you were traveling someplace and you had a conversation with them at a cafe or something like that and they said words to you that changed your life <laughs> or that stayed with you forever, right? Okay, so I'm going to give a, 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 what I think is, is the reason why that happened, okay? So let's just take a couple of steps back. This is all part of the same thought, and we're talking about why the chauffeur is so effective. So the Talmud says that if you give someone tochacha, um, uh, or, you know, like uh, rebuke, sometimes it's translated as, or if you try to correct someone's behavior, let's just put it into normal language, in an area that you yourself aren't keeping, the Talmud says the other person is not going to listen to you. All right? So to give a very sort of like, you know, like 
over-the-top example. If you're chain-smoking and you're telling a guy, don't smoke, it's bad for you, as you're, you know, as you've got a cigarette in your hand and the ash is falling down your shirt, right? They're going to go, okay, thanks for the advice, right? They're not going to listen, but, so I want to, I want to, and then that makes sense because it's sort of like the, your words aren't sort of like supercharged to get into their to get into the other person's bones because they're not powered by your own avoda. They're not powered by your own self-mastery. Right? So I think, this is me speaking, but I think the opposite is true, which is that if you actually are amazing at something and you give those words of advice in that area that you yourself have mastered or excel at, they actually will get into the other person's bones. Right? And I think that that's what it is. If you ever met that person on a train or wherever it was, they said something to you that they themselves have mastered. Bless you. And that's why it got into your bones. Right? All right, now let's go back to the chauffeur. How is the chauffeur so good at cleaning other people out? So I was thinking about it, and I don't know if you know how to make a chauffeur. I don't really know how to make it, but I know the first couple of steps. You kind of take off the horn, right? You take off the horn off the animal, and it's filled with all this gunk. And you have to pull all the gunk out of the chauffeur. So, now, hopefully you hear the point. The chauffeur, which is cleaning you out, it itself has been cleaned out. <laughs> In other words, it, it has mastered this idea of being cleaned up. So it can clean you up. <laughs> so, so let's go back to this idea now. We said that the chauffeur blast sort of like goes back to the, 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 the creation of human beings, right? Where God blew his breath, which is, you know, our soul into us. So, so, so why are we celebrating Rosh Hashanah on the sixth day of creation? This is, this is a big question. Because we're talking about, the cre- we're, we're celebrating the anniversary of the creation of the whole world. And if you were to ask me, okay, David, we're going to have this holiday, we're going to call it Rosh Hashanah, we're going to celebrate the first day of creation, what day should we have it? I would say, I wouldn't even have to think about it. I would tell you the 25th day of Elul, the first day of creation, right? Because what's Rosh Hashanah about? It's, it's about making God king, and then it's all that there is is there. That's just, it's just God on the first day of creation. It's, it's great. So obviously, God disagrees. <laughs> God had a, a better idea, and he said, no, no, no. We're not going to make it on the first day of creation. We're going to make it on the sixth day of creation when human beings were created. Okay, so now there's a very powerful message there. Because it didn't have to be that way. It did not have to be that way. By the way, as I like to point out, the world itself didn't have to be created. You know? <laughs> you know, we, we, we have to just kind of appreciate the fact that we don't have to be here. We're so used to be told, doing this, do I have to, and then do that, do I have to, do I... But, but if you track back the do I have tos, there's no I have to. <laughs> you know, it's all... 
this is all one grand gift. And the, 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 the sooner that we sort of like open our eyes to the fact that this is a grand gift. I don't know if you've ever had a vacation that you really didn't enjoy. <laughs> I remember I went to Israel one time and I was under a lot. I was, I, I, it was, uh, it was my son's bar mitzvah and I had so much work I had to do. And it was, it was really hard to be away from the office. And I was really scared, like I was missing a lot of stuff. And like, it was, it was, it was very tense. And I just remember thinking, I'm in the place I most want to be right now, which is Israel. And I'm like, really, I'm so stressed out. I'm like, I'm just not, I'm not here. I'm here, but I'm not here, you know? So I think a lot of us just go through our entire life like that. We're here, but we're not here. Because we're so wrapped up in the have-tos, you know? But if you remember that God did not have to create the world, just a different take on just the, what is this and what am I and what am I doing here and how should I be spending my time? It's a whole other experience. So again, let's get back to the question. Why didn't God ordain that Rosh Hashanah be on the first day of creation? Why did he ordain that it should be on the sixth day of creation? So I want to just give a very simple answer, which is that there's a partnership going on. There's a partnership going on. And, and we're looking to God, and God can do anything. He can do anything. But in His mercy, in His kindness, in His friendship, God is also looking to us to do. That's, that's an amazing thing, you know? You know, if, 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 like, Steven Spielberg said to me, would you write a script for me? I would be so happy. He, he's got, you know, a thousand other people we can go to to get a script written. Like, I get to do that for you, right? And then, of course, I'm thinking about all the jobs I'm going to get afterwards, right? Hmm. So I get to do that for you, and I get to do that for me. Well, when God asks us to do something, God who invented reality, right? I get to do that for you, and then I become a beneficiary, and I get to do that for me. I mean, it's on the most astronomical scale. So, so let's go further in terms of this partnership. So, so the Kutzker Rebbe said something unbelievable, and I've sort of been quoting my own version of it for like the last I don't know how many decades. Which is, in the beginning, God created. So the Kutzker Rebbe says, in the beginning, God created. God created the beginning. And he left the rest for us. Okay. He's here with us, guiding us. But first God created the beginning. And then he creates human beings. And he tells us to celebrate the creation of the beginning and the creation of human beings at the same time because we're going to further God's creation in conjunction with him. All right, now with this in mind, let's, let's get to something that, that I think is really kind of far out. You see, 
as we're getting to the end of the Torah right now, there's a transition in leadership that's taking place from Moshe to Yehoshua. And the Chedusha Arim points out something very interesting. He says that just like we're going, we're transitioning from one leader to another leader, we're transitioning from one year to another year. And just like one style of leadership is one way, we're going into another's style of leadership, which is another way. See, in other words, we're entering into a new, it's like a new zone. Like anyone who, remember, we talk about this, that from the secular point of view, time is pretty um, homogenized. One tick of the clock is not really different from any other tick of the clock. But if you study Torah, you see time actually has a personality. And so we're actually leading, leaving the style of leadership of one year, Moshe, so to speak, and we're entering into the style of leadership of another year, Yehoshua, so to speak. So we're in a new territory right now. We're in like a new domain right now, which is exciting. A little like, well, what goes on in... What are your customs here, friend? <laughs> what do you use for money here? <laughs> You know, we're in a different place. You have to kind of appreciate that. Now, now you, you see, like, a lot of people, they, every year, if you're hanging out in the right crowd, they'll darshan the, the numbers of the year. Okay? So last year actually was Ayan uh, Zion, which spells O's, which means strength, or even, like, holy chutzpah. Right? And if you actually look at last year, like just look at American politics, for instance. <laughs> you have to look further than that. Is that 76? That's, uh, it's, well, that's 77, actually. Ayan Zion is 77. No, there's a, if you added something up, it was 26. Yeah, does it come yeah. to 26? Yeah. It happened with 26, yeah. Okay. It was like a thing last year. Yeah, okay. Um, 57, 76. Yeah, does, that add, add up to, does that add up to 26? 57, yeah, because that's what seven times. Yeah, so, okay, good. So last year adds up to 26, so that's cool. So now this year, so the last year was O's, which was like, you know, and this year I heard Rabbi Freeman say it's 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 Ayin Ches, which is Eitz Chaim. Right? Yeah. Eitz Chaim. Ayin Ches, Eitz Chaim, which means the tree of life. And the Torah is called a tree of life. Right? So that's, that's great. I love that. Now I was also thinking, and you know, just on the level of take it or leave it, you know, but it was sort of exciting to me when I first thought of it. If you look at the, just the sequence of numbers, 5, 7, 7, 8, it's going up. 5, 7, okay, 7 to 7 stays the same, it doesn't go down. And then 7, 8, it goes up. So all the numbers go up. Now I did a quick, I did kind of a quick check. You can double check this if it's actually accurate. I don't think that's happened for 111 years. That the numbers ultimately just scale up. You know? So, so that's, that's kind of cool. So, 
what does it mean? Like, it means take it or leave it. That's what it means. <laughs> but, it means if you just graph the numbers. If you graph the numbers, it, it's pointing up. Right? Five, seven, seven, eight. It's all going up. Because in general, we want to go up and not down. Right? Like, just think of the stock market. Up is good. Up is good, really, you know? Like, like people have an expression, oh, how are things? Mm, it's been going downhill. No one is ever happy about saying that. Right? You don't hear people say, it's going uphill, but that would be the opposite. <laughs> so, so this year is going uphill, so with God's help, it should be very favorable. So, so anyway, but I want to get to this idea of this, this partnership, because, because you see something very interesting. We're transitioning from Moshe to Yehoshua. And so originally, Yehoshua, which he's called by like, I don't know what, what percentage of the time in the Torah, but the great majority of the time he's Yehoshua. But before he becomes, how did he become Yehoshua? First he was Hoshea. And then he's, he's going to be sent out with the spies. And Moshe Rabbeinu is giving him this blessing and changes his name so that he won't be corrupted by the spy's influence. And so he adds this Yud to his name, and Hoshea becomes Yehoshua. Okay? And so for the rest of the Torah, every time you see him, he's Yehoshua, which is great. Now all of a sudden, we get to the end of the Torah, and it says it's talking about Hoshea. Like all of a sudden, Yehoshua, there's just one mention of him, and he's back to Hoshea. So everyone is all over that. They're like, wait a second, what happened to the Yid? Like, what happened? So I saw a number of explanations. One explanation is that uh, that that as a sign of his greatness, now that he was really being elevated to being in, in, in charge of the Jewish people, he just considered himself Hoshea. In other words, just the simple person that he started out to be. The, 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 the spotlight and the leadership did not go to his head. He didn't become corrupted by it. So as a, as a sign of his purity, really, it, it just refers to him as Hoshea. Okay, that's very beautiful. That's Rubeno Bechaya, I saw say. So, and then the art scroll gives a, a commentary that I thought was very interesting, very impactful, is that um, now that he was a leader, this kind of different energy, this idea, that now that he's a leader, he can't depend on the blessing of Moshe anymore. In other words, Moshe gave him that Yud. Now he's got to stand up and he's got to represent himself. He's got to really, like, you know, rise to the occasion. So now he's going to be Hoshea, right? The Yud lifted him up to a certain level, but now he's got to do the work. And I think what's, just to kind of extend on that thought for just a little bit, one of the very interesting things is, is that these 10 days that we're in right now, the Chidush Arim says correlates with the Ten Commandments. These, the Aseris Yimei Tshuva, Right? Those are what's, what's called the 10 days of return between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Correlate with the Aseris Hadibros, the 10 sayings, which also known as the 10 commandments. 
So how do they line up exactly? Right? So, so we were, we were kind of doing this a little bit on Shabbos. The first day, it lines up really perfectly. Because what were we talking about on the first day? Rosh Hashanah is about making Hashem king. And what's the first commandment? Anochi Hashem Elokecha. God says, I'm God, you're God. Right? So that's totally a declaration of just God. Then the second day of Rosh Hashanah, that's the second commandment. That's, there's no power other than me. Which is also totally Rosh Hashanah. That's when, 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 when a king is a king, the king is the ultimate power. There is no other power because that's it. So that works great. So then what about the third day? So I wanted to supply this, this, this thought. Third day is that don't swear falsely. So interestingly, the Talmud explains that there are two aspects to not swearing falsely. Don't tell a lie, meaning if there's a piece of wood... Don't, don't say that, don't, don't use God's name in, in, in swearing that that's gold. Because it's a lie, it's wood. Okay, so that would be using God's name in vain. But there's another level that the Talmud explains that I think is like very interesting. Which is, don't use God's name to swear that that piece of wood is a piece of wood. Because it's obvious that it's a piece of wood. You're misusing God's name by bringing him into something that doesn't need the divine name at that moment because it's obvious. Wood is wood. So I want to say like that's the third day. After, after the two days of Rosh Hashanah and the third day this year was Shabbos, it's obvious that God is king. <laughs> right? Just, anyone who's opening up their eyes like how is there a world? How is there a world? You know, if you want to talk to anyone who's having any... You see who's having trouble with their amuna, having trouble with their, with, with their belief and connecting and everything like that. To me, it's like, I, I would start with that question. I, I would start with one or of two questions, actually. Either do you believe that you have a soul, right, and you can build from there? What is your soul? Where did it come from? Does it last after the body goes? Like, you can start there, maybe. But I think it would also be good to ask, where did the world come from? Because someone could maybe say that they don't have a soul. And then that turns into a bit of a dead end. Or they could say that after they die, the soul also dies. So then that turns into a bit of a dead end. But what? where did the world come from? Well, we all agree that there's a world. So you're kind of starting with some, some common, some, some, some agreement there. How is the world just, how is the world so exact? How, how, is, how is the world so exact without a creator? And if you want to say that it just sort of randomly came together, well, why doesn't it continue to randomly fall apart? <laughs> why did it just sort of randomly come together and then stop once it looked like this? Like, if you want to posit randomness, and you want to be intellectually honest, you have to posit the continuity of randomness. Right? So, anyway. So, so these ten days correlate with the Ten Commandments. And we just said that Yehoshua's Yud got dropped off because now he has to step up and he can't rely on Moshe's blessing anymore. So I want to say during these 10 days that we have to step up. It's talking about us. 
we also have to step up. We also have to make our mark in time. We also have to shape the light of the year for the year that's coming. Right now is the time for us to step up. Now let's get back to this idea of taking on a Khumrah. This idea of taking on an extra mitzvah during these 10 days. And again, you don't have to hold by this. It's an amazing minute that says, take it on now and then after Yom Kippur you don't have to think about it again. Why? Because you want to try to harness the best of yourself, the highest spiritual aspect of yourself right now. Just to plant that into the world, right? And then, who knows, over the course of the year, you might be able to hold on to that again and reach that again, or you may even be able to use that as a place to leapfrog off of to in a higher level. Right? So, so again, this idea of a new soul being blown into us, that ourselves are being created at this moment while this new world is also being created. It's all going on right now. All right, now let's get back to Yeshua, because I want to point out something. I want to give my own explanation of why, what, what happened to that Yud, and why it says Hosea. So the thing that I looked at, and I thought that this was like really super cool, was that it actually doesn't say Hosea. <laughs> right, we've been talking about how it says Hosea this whole time. It actually doesn't say Hosea. It says the Hosea, which means that that basically it got turned into a vav he. <laughs> yeah, or you could say that. Yeah, it's it's consistent with with the so the 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 opening the opening letters of Hosea's names. Now it says, in the instance where the yud has been dropped, now it's vav he. Vehoshea. So what is the idea of Vav Hey? Why am I getting so excited about Vav Hey? Because everybody knows the way you spell God's name is Yud and Hey, and then Vav and then Hey. So in other words, this this idea of heaven and earth, this idea that God is creating a partnership with us, right? In the beginning, God created, right? God created the beginning, then He works with us. This idea that Rosh Hashanah is not on the first day, but it's on the sixth day, which is man and God working together. Right? All of a sudden, the handoff comes from Moshe, and it becomes vav Right? Hosea becomes vav Which means that this is now the foundational aspect. And now, but you see... Just like the Chidusha Arim was talking about how one year goes into another year, and that's like a change of leadership, that we're going from Moshe to Yehoshua, so to speak, in every year, right? In other words, we're just changing styles. When it's talking about that vav hey for Hosea, it's also talking about us, you and me, our generation, because it's talking about the handing of the baton from one generation to another generation, and each new generation then becomes the vav hey. It's, it's remarkable, and it, it, if you really, you have to kind of like think about it. Like you'll hear it now, but, but you've got to actually think about it to really understand the enormity of this idea. The idea that we had Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, all of our holy mothers, that we had Moshe, that we had like Yehuda and Yosef and David Melech and the Rambam and Rashi and the Baal Shem Tov, right? Chofetz Chaim, like all the Rebbes, all the Tzaddikim, and they're all 
looking to us to continue. We become that vavhei, and they, they, they need us. They need us. You know, there's a watch store in the neighborhood, Feldmar, and and I was thinking, if you if you go in there, they have fifty thousand dollar watches in there, and I think they probably have even more expensive. I think they have more expensive than that, actually. There are these unbelievable watches, like they're like these like museum art pieces, right? Like like beyond sophisticated, you know, engineering inside these things. But you know what? You've got the wrist. <laughs> it's very nice for the watch to be sitting in a glass case, but it's meant for your wrist. You understand when you say over a Torah from the Baal Shem Tov, you are putting on this garb of the Baal Shem Tov. You are sort of, so to speak, at that moment, wearing the Baal Shem Tov. Like what it is to study Torah, how exalted it is to study Torah, what, what, it, what it means for those words to leave your mouth, who you become, what you become, Okay, stop there.